Welcome to Do It For The Gram, an Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our communities. So this episode starts our series on subtypes. It's been a long time coming for sure, um, but I'm super excited to talk about subtypes. So before you listen to this episode, you're going to need to understand the instincts and the passion for your number. So if you haven't listened to the episodes before this one on instincts and passion, go ahead and check those out before you check this one out. Because in order to get a better understanding of what's happening in your subtype, you really need to know what's happening in your dominant instinct. And you need to understand what your passion of your number is. And they kind of range throughout your emotional patterns in life. So intro music, let's get it because we're about to get into it. super excited to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off the first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you'll get a 10% discount for your first month. So what is a subtype? Subtypes, it is a type's passion and their instincts kind of multiply together. And they create this really interesting, very specific type of cocktail. So it's whatever your dominant instinct is combined with your passion. And so you also have a stack. So you have three instincts, which is social, sexual, and self-preservation, and they're all stacked in a certain way, meaning that they're ranked. So whatever the dominant one is, that means it's probably overactive. And whatever the repressed one is, that means it's probably underactive. And so the one in between is probably good. You probably utilize it in the right form, in the right way, in a healthier way. Then you can use your dominant and repressed one. So understanding the stack, why is it important to understand the subtypes and your stack? So it's very important to understand it because there's a deeper understanding to you and your Enneagram number when you understand your subtype stack and what your subtypes are. And it gives you clarity around growth for you as well. And so it also helps you to see that your individual growth as a certain number may look a tinge bit different than another person's growth as that number. And also this helps us realize that all numbers don't look the same. 
all numbers, all people who are eights don't look the same. And the subtype is a big reason for it. Okay. That's a huge reason for it. Some types look like counter, they're what called what we call counter types. And what that means is that they internally are have the same underpinning issues and struggles and challenges of all of that number. But on the surface, they respond to it differently. They respond in a counter way than the other two subtypes do. So understanding the stack a little bit better, if your dominant instinct is on top and it's this one, there's a message in it. So for instance, if you're self-preservation and it's your dominant one, you have this feeling instinctually that I'm always in danger. There's always fear there. And as a self-preserved person who's dominant in that instinct, it took me a while to realize that. But in so many situations, I literally feel like I am in danger just about all the time, no matter where I go. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm safe in some type of way. Then the next one is social. If social is your dominant instinct, then you feel that I am no one without a group and status. So for socially dominant types, it's very important to remember that you are more than a social group or status, but that's the over active sense in the social instinct. It's overly active. That instinct, if it's dominant, it's overly active. And so you have to be aware of that. If your instinct is dominant in sexual, it means that I am no one without a significant other. And so it's very important for you to understand who is sexually dominant, that in order to be somebody, it's not just, it's that you are valuable regardless of who you're with, or regardless if you have a significant other with you or not. So you have to be aware of that. Remember, the instinct is overactive if it's your dominant one. We got to be aware of that. So if it's your bottom instinct, aka your repressed one in your stack, for self-preservation, it means my life is not important. So if you have a repressed center that is self-preservation, you have to watch out because that means that you don't treat yourself with the proper self-care because somewhere in your instincts, a lot of times unconsciously, you don't believe your life is that important. For social, it is, I don't trust others, groups, causes, the collective, and humanity. So if that's your repressed one, you have to watch out for that because there's a natural inclination not to trust any type of group or big cause or collective or humanity. So you have to watch out because it's underactive. It's not in a healthy place. It's only looking at all oh, these things are really bad, so I'm not going to join them and look at the negative sides of anything that could be collective or group effort. And then if your repressed center is sexual, then I am not interesting or attractive and intimate relationships may not be for me. So for those who have a sexual repressed center, in some type of way, they don't feel that intimate relationships are necessarily for them, possibly, and or they don't feel attractive and they just may not feel interested in it. So that is an issue. If your sexual instinct is repressed, that means that something is going on and it's not active as it should be making sure you engage in intimate one-on-one -on -one relationships in a healthy way. Game time for the type one. Remember, the one's passion is anger. Remember that anger is actually a huge emotion. It's not just exploding and throwing stuff and being aggressive all of a sudden, but it actually covers other emotions such as frustration, irritation, being critical, resentful, and even annoyed. This anger is because the world and things are not the way that the one feels they should be on the inside. And so there's a general anger and a consistent kind of anger that goes on within the one to actually deal and handle how to impact the world and make it 
a better world or to perfect it. So majority of this information is going to come from Beatrice Chestnut and Uranio Pius by way of Claudia Naranjo. When the passion of anger to perfect entangles with the instinct of self-preservation, it emerges with um, material security and needs, meaning that they want to perfect things more than anything. So this type one is a true perfectionist. They're very fixated on fixing things and making them better. And so remember, it's the self-preservation, the material needs, all those things. So they are really, really huge on fixing those type of things. So they're really fixated on very, very small details, usually provide stability when they were young, growing up in their family settings. And so they had to worry about a lot of different things. This one, remember, self-preservation for just I'm pretty sure all subtypes is the one that has the most fear and anxiety. So this one actually has the most fear and anxiety of all the ones. And so early on, they had to worry about every little thing, as I mentioned before. And so they are always kind of on alert, trying to make sure everything is correct, everything is right, and they're doing everything. So they're always on alert. So that anxiety and their fear is always running in the background. And so another thing about them is they are the most self-critical one of all the ones. So they're more self-critical than the social and the sexual ones. They are very, very, that inner critic is extremely strong for this type one. Because coinciding with trying to make sure everything is right, they have a need to try to perfect everything and especially themselves. And so it's a, it's a constant process. Remember, the inner critic is so strong and they're so self-critical. So it's this constant process of trying to perfect themselves and perfect everything else in order to somehow feel better. And that's because they see themselves as imperfect um, instead of accepting kind of like who they are and where they are and what's going on and understanding they're at the place where they are just because that's where life is. And this is part of the journey. They really see themselves as very imperfect and they see a lot of flaws within themselves. But on the outside, because this one represses the anger the most, they look extremely friendly. They are very friendly. They have an open ear to listen. And they seem like the, I'm doing air quotes, good person to other people because that is how they present. And so they don't really express the anger as much. And usually the anger comes out as Beatrice says, as warmth. And what they mean is warmth is, so the subtype self-preservation one all the ones actually do, they have a defense mechanism called reaction formation. And so that's actually doing the opposite of what you feel. So for instance, if a one is extremely like really um, angry with someone or really annoyed, especially the self-prez one, they will actually respond the opposite way. So instead of responding with, I'm upset with you, I'm really mad and actually letting them know and expressing it, they will do the opposite and be warm and friendly and overly friendly to that person. And so that's one of their defense mechanisms to not deal with a few things that they really need to deal with. And so because that anger, when it's trapped inside and it's repressed, it is not released, the self-preservation one is like always tense. Their body is always tense because they trap it in their bodies. And so that anger is there. You can see it in their face if you really look at it, even though friendly sometimes. And usually once you can kind of see it in their face, but the anger and the tenseness is trapped in their bodies a lot of times. That is some things about the um, Enneagram self-preservation one. So for social ones, when the passion of anger of perfection entangles with the instinct of social, it turns into being the perfect person for the group and perfecting the people in the group. So this person is more like the perfect person in a sense. They want to be the perfect model 
and show people how to do the right thing. Remember, like when I say the right thing, I'm putting air quotes up, okay? They think the best way to do stuff. They research the best way to do stuff, matter of fact, and try to help other people see like this is the best way we should be doing it. And so they are really keen to doing things the right way and showing people how to do the things the right way. Um, They're less worried and more confident because they believe they have and know the right way. And sometimes they do. But sometimes the right way is their way and not necessarily the right way. It's just a way. Um, they seem superior at times because understanding that they, them feeling that they know the right way and the right thing to do and telling people, it comes off as looking superior to other people. And there is, when you look deep down within yourself, there is a tinge of superiority or maybe a lot going on inside. Social ones, they also take the position of the role model in the group. And so that's another thing that lends into the superiority thing is that they have somehow attached themselves to being the role model. And so I am going to display myself in a way that you're supposed to be doing things. And so that is something as well to take into account when you think about the social aspect of it. It is not necessarily I'm trying to adapt to the group. Because this one is actually the opposite. So just because they're socially dominant does not mean that they necessarily love being in social groups necessarily. And this is one subtype that does not actually. The social one is the one that doesn't adapt well to groups, but they are oriented to groups and people because they want to perfect them and show them the right way of doing things. And so they are always like in a mode of teaching others. They take on the responsibility of teaching others and they take on responsibilities of other people in general because they feel they know the right way and they can show you. And so the thing is, the superiority thing, like for ones recognizing that a lot of that can come from a superiority type complex. Other people see it that way. Even if they don't respond, they see a person who seemingly is trying to be superior by telling or showing them the quote unquote right way of doing things. So beware of that. And so these ones also find a way to find routines and structures and ways of doing things that are very rigid, that are very structured, maybe even overly structured, and they stick to them because they believe that to be the right way. So they can have some extremely um, strong rules and rigidity in the way that they do things, in the way that they go about their lives and routines. All right, so the last one, which is sexual. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com or 901-334-1644. So when the passion of anger for perfection entangles with the instinct of sexual, it equals the countertype one. And so now, as you know, the countertype is the one that looks different than the other two. Even though the bottom line core stuff is all the same, the way that they respond to 
their passion and their instinct is different. So this one, whereas the social and the self-preservation repress their anger, the sexual actually expresses their anger and they're totally okay with it. They express their anger the most. People tend to get them confused with eight sometimes because they are saying, no, all ones repress their anger. No, all ones don't repress their anger. The sexual one actually expresses their anger and don't have a problem with it. And so they're actually really okay with it. And usually they go for what they want right away and with tons of energy to try to get what they want. And so they get angry the most. They exhibit that anger uh, outwardly the most and with a lot of energy and trying to get what they want. So they can be quite critical, no doubt. And they don't really see a problem with anger where the other two ones can kind of see a problem with anger. They don't really see anger as an issue. They just see it as another emotion needs to be expressed and they tend to express it way more often than other emotions. But that is one that this one does not see anger as necessarily a problem. And this one is also extremely critical of others more than themselves. So whereas the inner critic is strong with all three and they beat themselves up, all three of them, nevertheless, this one has the ability to switch it up to where they blame everyone else except for themselves when it comes to issues at times. It can be everyone else's problem and not theirs. And one of the best examples is one of my mentees who's led one of these. He was on the beginning of one of my episodes. He's an Enneagram sexual one. And this kid, when he does something to get in trouble, oh my goodness, it becomes everyone's fault but his. And the interesting part about it, it is, it comes off so strong though. It's not like a, well, you know, these, no, no, it comes off very strong. Like, well, maybe I should be at a better place or better school. These kids are like making a bad influence on me. And I was like, no, it's you. And so we had a really strong conversation where he actually came out crying from it because we had to have a deep, serious heart to heart conversation where I finally got him to admit that it was his fault, but it was extremely hard for him to accept that. He appreciated it later, but at that moment, he was not. He was very tense and tight and looking at me like I was crazy. And I was like, no, but you crazy. If you think I'm going to let you get out, get away, we're blaming other people for something that you did because you can't get better that way. So that is definitely an example. It can be hard for them. They can be extremely critical of other people and flipping the script um, about that. And so another person, example I can think of is if you saw Little Fires Everywhere on Hulu. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think uh, Witherspoon, uh, the mother with the, was it four kids in her house? Yes, she is, I believe, a sexual dominant one or if not, it may be in there. But like when she goes rogue, it's a really good example of a one getting extremely unhealthy and going to the route of blaming everyone else but themselves for situations. And so then also you have and this one is also they have the feeling that they're connected to a higher moral calling or sense and they need to reform society and others. And so in some ways, when you think about it, this is if this is checked in a healthy way and you're actually seeking to really like help people. Let me see. Can I say this in a way that doesn't get trapping? Uh, seeking to help people for the betterment of them and not for the betterment of what you see for them, if that makes any sense, then you have the energy to really actually be able to help people. But this gets tricky because you have so much going on. And when you think that you're so right 
and that people should be abiding by what you feel that's right because you feel that you've got that higher moral calling than anyone else, that becomes the issue because then it's influenced by your own ego and pride. And so that's a scary place. And you have to be able to be to watch for that um, if you are a sexually dominant one. So we're going to talk a little bit about the growth in order to grow. And so the goal for the Enneagram one is to get to the virtue of serenity, which is learning to serenity, grace, which is learning to accept life in situations for what it is. It's like the serenity prayer. If you've ever heard of it or said it, it's one of those things. Let me understand and accept the things that I cannot change, but change the things I can, but the things I cannot, let me accept them. So this is going to be important for them. So their key, one of the things they have to work towards getting to serenity. Okay. All right. And so some of the ways to counteract the self-praise dominant one is being less hard on themselves. Change your self-talk to comfort over criticize. So we all have inner children and our inner child. A lot of times we treat it so harshly, like we're physical adults, but inside we are actually still kids, unfortunately. But it's okay at the same time, because if a little kid was having trouble with an issue, you wouldn't approach them with the same critical manner you approach an adult. You approach it very differently. So the way that you actually help yourself grow into serenity for the self-pressed dominant one is by making sure you talk to yourself in a way that's more comforting and guiding than just a extremely harsh, critical way. I didn't do that right, you wrong. Like, uh-huh. work on combating that with your inner critic, okay? And things going on. And then the next thing is put some fun and pleasure in your life. A lot of times, self-praised dominant ones are so working so hard to do the things right, to make sure they perfect all these different things going around and every nook and cranny and all these different little things. But make sure you actually put some fun and pleasure in your life. I think that is super important. You know, part of me as a seven wish that was part of my growth, but it is not because fun and pleasure always exist in my day. So for self-praised dominant ones, find some time and actually have fun. Create that fun. It's going to really help you out a bunch. Next, ways to counteract the social dominant one. One thing is to relax modeling the right way to do things. You know, you don't have to always show people the, air quote, right way of doing things. Let them do it their way. And you may want to ask if they need help, if they want help. And if they don't, go about your own business. And they may sometimes come and ask you, but it's not your job to model and show people the right way of doing everything. That is connected to a superior place, and you have to watch that. That's a very prideful thing. Then also use healthy humor. Now, I want to emphasize this because ones can be humorous, but they can be satirical and critical. They can use kind of satire, and it'll be like the lower side of the seven, not really like the healthy, light, fun, and uh, humor. So use healthy humor to lighten up situations. Uh, when you're dealing with different things or you're a little frustrated about something or annoyed, use a light humor to kind of get the things going and lighten up the whole situation. It doesn't have to be so tense, so tight, and uh, everything don't have to be so right. You know, it's okay. And then try to adapt more to others. But this can be really hard for the social dominant one is to actually be able to not have to make everyone adapt to you because you're doing the right thing, but adapt to others because there's different ways of doing things and everything is not black and white. Everything is not black and white. Everything is not good or bad. Everything is not correct or incorrect. There's just many different ways of doing things sometimes. And so make sure that you do your best to try to adapt and see things from their perspectives as well, because you may find some gems and some amazing things in the different ways that people do different things. Hi, I'm super excited to tell you about a partnership I just joined in on. 
As an Enneagram coach, I understand the Enneagram helps in all different aspects of a person's life. A part of that journey can only be helped sometimes by someone outside of themselves, someone in the profession of counseling or therapy. So that's why I partner with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is basically a virtual way to contact and be in connection with counselors and therapists around the country. And at this time that we're going through socially being distant and a lot of being trapped in our houses or different things, even though it can be wonderful, a lot of times we may need to express something that's going on or things may be arising inside that we don't understand how to deal with. And so BetterHelp is a wonderful, affordable way to receive therapy and counseling in your home virtually. So if you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's D-O-I-T. So this information will be in the show notes, but this is a way if you do need some help, mental help and working through things and emotional things, BetterHelp can definitely help. Next, ways to counteract the sexual dominant one. Pay attention to how your self-interest manifests itself as a higher mission um, slash calling. So this is similar to you got to check your motives behind what you're really doing. Because, yes, you can feel like you're getting a higher calling, which part of you can be at times. But you got to look at what is it really producing? Are people around you or the fruit that you're bearing actually getting better, actually enjoy things, actually growing all these different things? Or are they just really annoyed or upset? and get tired of what you're saying and you're just like, oh, well, you're wrong because I'm right. No, then it's probably not coming from the right place. So check your motives and your self-interest. And when you're trying to do certain things or correct and perfect um, situations and people and stuff, make sure you check your motive behind that because that's going to be important. So really check on that. That's huge. And then also, because you're not afraid to express your anger, what we need you to do is similar to the eights. I need you to channel that anger into dealing with other emotions that are softer and that lie beneath the anger. And so that's pain and that's fear a lot of times, what's under there. And so you're going to have to recognize and realize, okay, what in the world is below this anger that I'm expressing? So it doesn't ruin your relationships. It doesn't ruin the different places and situations that you're trying to move ahead and improve in life. So you want to make sure that doesn't combat that. And the only way to do that is that you actually address that anger. You out the anger you got coming out, address it and see what's actually beneath it. So you can communicate what's actually going on inside. And then also the thing I always tell any Enneagram one to do is to make sure you name your inner critic. You have the strongest inner critic of all the types. You want to make sure you name yours and so that you have more control over it. Don't let them drive the car, put them in the passenger seat and you're the driver or put them in the back seat, right? But you're the driver of that car in your life. And so make sure that inner critic isn't driving you. So besides that, that's about all I have for this episode. If you are still a little confused about your Enneagram subtype, I do Enneagram interviews. And so I can help you figure out your subtype and your number if you're not sure of your number. But I can help you figure out your subtype, which one is dominant. And we can kind of go over and talk a little bit more about it and how it's impacting your life. And so I do those. You can find more information about that at my Instagram. But you can also just send an email at Milton at KaizenCareers.com. That'll be in the show. Show notes. That's Milton at KaizenCareers.com. That's K-A-I-Z-E-N-C-A-R-E-E-R-S.com. Also, 
podcasting is free for listeners, but not free for podcast creators. And so it does cost some. And I do have a podcast editor, shout out. Uh, he does a wonderful job. And I would like to be able to keep paying him from supporters and not have to pay in my pocket. So I have a Patreon account and also the Patreon community, they get a little insiders. They get beta testing on my products or my content. And I do my best to try to share more things with them and be more intimate with them. I'm constantly working on building it. Got to do a better job, but uh, I really appreciate that. And so you can help support this podcast by going to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram. And you can go there. You can donate a dollar all the way up to whatever you can, but anything helps to support paying for this podcast and all the different fees that come with it so that I can make sure I have more time to focus on creating great content for you all and that not be a worry of mine. Also, I'm growing the YouTube page. It's Do It For The Gram, obviously podcast on YouTube. And I'm constantly working on growing that and trying to do videos. I'm super new at it. I'm super new to it. And so the videos are kind of funny because they're the ones you start off with, right? They're the beginning ones. So they don't look as great, you know, the filming, the lighting, all that type of stuff. But nevertheless, I'm working on constantly developing that platform and getting better and better over time. So please go there and subscribe. That would be great. I really appreciate that. And then make sure to subscribe to this podcast and also, Enneagram ones. Um, if you feel your instinct and your subtype and your passion about to get a little crazy and you're about to react and get triggered out of it, I need you to take a deep breath. You may need to even remove yourself. And then I need you to do it for the gram and make a smart move. Do it for the Enneagram. And I'll see you on the next episode. Bye. <laughs>